0: This this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. On the second anniversary of publishing. Our book The Practice of Learning Teams. I thought I would share with you a little bit of a chapter from our third book coming out in 2023. And this chapter we've entitled Humans Connect Better to Stories, They Don't Connect to Numbers. <laughs> It has been two years since my colleagues, Glynis McCarthy, Brent Robinson, myself, with Dr. Todd Conklin, published the book, The Practice of Learning Teams. The premise of the book was straightforward, to help support the community to move from the what and the why of and learning teams to the how and the when, and to broaden the appeal of learning teams into the mainstream market. The book was published on the amazing work of Todd Conklin and his original body of work on learning teams published in 2016 in the book, An Applied Approach to Operational Learning. In that 2016 book, the wider safety community was introduced to the term learning teams and its core concepts and approach. The rise in popularity of learning teams has surprised me. And you know when something becomes popular because commercial organisations will use the name learning teams to badge or push their own concepts, publish content about learning teams, and rewrite history by making claims to its origins from other concepts, or simply state that learning teams are great, but... And for me, but means that learning teams aren't good, but my version is much better. The term learning teams was not a common term of language used in safety, quality, or operational excellence prior to Dr. Todd Conklin's work. It has become popular because the core concepts, approach and principles make sense to both the organizations and their people who do the work every day. In our 2020 book, The Praxis of Learning Teams, we defined the five principles of learning teams and we introduced the concept of the three learning team modes being event learning teams, management of change learning teams, and everyday learning teams. We also distinguished the difference between operational learning, organisational learning, and worker learning. We followed up in more detail the concept of everyday learning teams in the 2021 book, Learning from Everyday Work, with myself, Brent Robinson, Geoffrey Liff, and Dr. Todd Conklin. In the second book, we explored in more detail how workers and work groups could apply self-guided principles of learning teams to build organizational intelligence, to identify weak signals, patterns and clusters of normal everyday work, and how workers and work groups could self-improve through the power of critical evaluation and critical thinking. And then to use learning teams to target learning and deeper understanding from those trending weak signals from those worker insights. Throughout my journey with learning teams, there has been a consistent pattern and theme from those that participate in a learning team and how the organisation learns from the output of learning team. It is simply put as, humans connect better to stories, they don't connect to numbers. This was highlighted to me during the COVID-19 pandemic in the early days of the pandemic, we were all dealing with high levels of uncertainty. We were bombarded every day with case numbers and data about so many infections, so many hospitalizations, and so many deaths. Governments around the world wanted people to implement risk management practices to eliminate or to minimise the spread and exposure of COVID-19 to family, community and work colleagues. As the virus mutated into more aggressive and deadlier variants and people's appetite for elimination and minimization waned, I observed a change in the communication strategy. News and media were no longer just publishing the numbers. They were also telling stories of those succumbing to the virus and the impact on family and community. Simply put, they were providing the context for learning. I observed the change in people's appetite for risk. They became more compliant, or there was a rise of those who became more disenfranchised. Regardless of the extremes of those outliers, this approach worked for the mainstream group. My learning from this was very simple. If you can't identify with the people it's affecting, you won't identify with it at all. I also observed a change. As the Omicron strain took hold, and those countries who had followed an aggressive elimination strategy then moved to a minimisation strategy, or what I call living with the effect and impact of COVID-19 across family, community and industry, those stories of the impact on people became few and far between. It was simply the numbers being reported. By removing the stories and just showing the numbers, fewer people identified with the losses, unless you were directly connected to that loss. And sadly, as people, we just kept carrying on. This simply emphasised my earlier learning that humans connect better to stories, they don't connect to numbers. When we think about learning teams, we think about the power that storytelling can have. Storytelling can lead to learning, and those learnings can lead to improvements. Remembering what workers learn and what the organisation learns can be very different. For example, when I engage with an organisation about using learning teams to learn from an adverse event, I describe learning in this way. The opportunity for learning is presented by the better understanding the variability and adaption that exists between workers imagined, being how the organisation believes safe work is done every day, normal everyday work, which is how workers function within the system to get their work done successfully every day, and then work on the day of the event, which was how work was being performed leading up to, during, and after the event. In a learning team, we don't hold workers imagined as the one true way or the one right way to do work. We don't treat the gap between these three things as an unsafe act, non-conformance, latent failure, or many of the other forms of terms of misery that we call human error. If we were to treat work as imagined as the one true way or the one right way to do work, we are looking down at the worker through the system lens and placing the worker into focus, creating a deficit model which impacts on engagement, participation and representation and learning for those that actually face the risk every day. In a learning team, we acknowledge the difference of learning between the organisation, the work group and the workers themselves. The organisation learns from better understanding the three parts of that triangle, being workers imagined, normal everyday work, and work on the day of the event. And this is when people share their stories about normal everyday work. Workers in work group learn from better understanding only the two parts of the triangle. Their learning comes from the difference between normal everyday work and work on the day of the event. Whether the learning team is for an event learning or a management of change learning or simply better understanding this gap, it is the place where operational learning becomes visible and transparent. And this gap can be an opportunity or a threat or potentially both. An opportunity could be, for example, removing waste from the system of controls, mitigations or defences that serve no purpose or are redundant to a process. An opportunity could be identifying the presence of a new hazard or access to a danger zone due to a work change. The opportunity could be to identify a non-valued activity or required activity called compliance, which can be reduced and improved to make better sense to people. A threat could be, for example, a change in a process that is seen as being more efficient or effective by a work group, but introduces a new risk or knock-on effect that was not visible or present before, and the work group had no prior knowledge or understanding. A threat could also be a change in a process by the organisation or third party which exposes workers to a new or unknown hazard situation. Or the threat could be the introduction of new plant, material or process that is higher in the potential consequence than the one it replaced. How the organisation responds to these opportunities and threats really matters because that response sets the cultural tone of risk appetite across workers and work groups. This all leads to the big question. How do we do this in everyday work where we don't have the capacity or capability of conducting a traditional learning team, and more importantly, not use an intervention-based approach where the organisation leads and worker follow? If workers face the risk and the gap, why can't workers lead that storytelling and learning opportunity? We believe that an approach to this is a self-guided facilitation that allows the workers to get together to reflect on the presence of organisational defences, critical steps, critical controls, and worker defences of what they rely on when dealing in particularly a dynamic risk environment which has the potential to cause a life-changing event, or as Todd would say, a sticky stuff that can kill you. The four phases of the self-guided facilitation are one, to recall their current state of knowledge. Two, to reflect on those past experiences using the four Ds of dumb, different, difficult or dangerous. The third step, is to resonate with that alternative information against a set of organisational factors that explore such things as pressure to perform, factors that impact how work is done, workers' approach dealing with risks, change work factors, action and decision-making influences, organisational support of the safe systems of work, the role of work planning and preparation, and situational awareness of different potential outcomes. The workers capture those learnings and they then evaluate the opportunities or threats that become visible and reflect on by thinking about how the organisation defences support them in that situation from occurring or simply getting worse, what they must rely on if it was to happen, and how they feel the organisation will respond if such an event was to occur. This creates a new state of knowledge in the work group through individual critical appraisal and group evaluation of the known knowens of the formal system. The known knowens are the things the organisation does to reduce risk. We also look at the informal system that workers rely on to be successful. And this creates visibility of the previously unknown knowens. The unknown knowens are the things that we are neither aware of nor understand, but somehow exist in the gap between work as imagined and work as done in normal everyday work. This learning can be used by the organisation and workers to build a future state of normal and successful everyday work. Remembering that there is a grey space between workers imagined and workers done, or black line, blue line. And it is in this grey space where uncertainty lives and not one managed by organisational defences. Our work and learning from everyday work is opening the door for both the organisation and workers to understand the presence or absence of capacity. The themes that we have seen from learning from everyday work using the four Ds and others are that learning from everyday work does not require unwanted events. Learning from everyday work helps to see and build on what's strong. Learning from everyday work helps to see slow changes and weak signals as worker insights. Learning from everyday work can involve everyone to engage and participate. And learning from everyday work helps to improve all aspects of performance and well-being. And by better understanding what is known and unknown, especially for stickies, you can see and understand the weak signals and those emerging blind spots where the potential for death lives. Thank you.